Well, hey guys, welcome to this episode of Conversations. My name is Josh Andrew. I'm super excited to jump into this week's topic today. We're really going to be talking about something very different that I, I typically don't talk about. Topical subjects, whether that be things that are happening in the world and applying it to the context of following Jesus or being a leader within the church, because a lot of the topics we talk about are just practical leadership advice, even having guests on here, a part of the Conversations podcast talking about the subject of leadership and their journey with following Jesus and leadership, and not even people who believe in Jesus, because I believe there should be more conversations being had across the world. Kind of started in 2019 when I saw a lot of people not having conversations and having a lot of opinions, but not feeling heard, but then also not hearing other people and other uh, vantage points and sides of the coin. So today, I want to talk about this big subject of Halloween. Like as Christians, should we partake in Halloween? What is Halloween? Is Halloween a sin? We're really jumping into this topic because I, if you look online, I feel like we're very polarizing with our thoughts, and I don't know if it's bad to be polarizing. I just would rather give you guys some recommendations and even jump through the history of Halloween, give you some scriptures, and maybe give you a recommendation. More than that, I just want to give a, a clear vantage point from Halloween uh, to think about should we should we partake in it? Should we uh, go trick-or-treating? Should our kids dress up in costumes? So th this has been a rich debate, obviously, for very long, a, a longer than you and I have been alive. And to jump into this topic, I want, I want to preface a couple things. One... This video or this audio podcast is very much for Christians. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, this might even cause you to go, what, what is this guy talking about? Why is this that important? Is it that important? Is this guy weird? The answer is yes. All that to say, this video is very much for Christians, the people who actually follow Jesus. And the other side of it, I, I don't ever want to breed condemnation. So we know Romans 8.1, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you made it through the Christian test of prompting one. Prompting two is you should never feel condemnation. I think there is conviction. Conviction is good. Conviction comes by the Holy Spirit through most of the time a, a person or his scriptures. So Today, we are going to dive into quite a bit of scripture uh, towards the end. And really, to set a quick agenda, I want to go over the history of Halloween. I want to give some uh, observations that I've seen from opinions of Christians going into scriptures and then wrapping up with just some general thoughts. So I want to jump into the origins and history of Halloween. This has been a celebration that has evolved, obviously, as our world has evolved over the past two to three thousand years of this of this situation or the history of Halloween. So started out calling it's called Sawin. So it's spelt S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Yeah, I had to Google that. I did not know that before, but it's it's called Sawin. So S-A-H-W-N. So like Sawin or Sawin. Kind of depends on your preference, I guess. But ancient Celtic festival in about 2000 to 800 BC. E or CE, whatever your preference is, the origins of Sawin, one of the four major Celtic festivals, had its roots in the Iron Age and is believed to have begun around 2000 BC. So it started 
2,000 possible years before Jesus. The meaning of Samhain marked the the transition from the harvest season to winter, signifying the end of the light half of the year and beginning of the dark half. So we started out as more of like a fall festival kind of feel, fall vibes, you get it. Thin veil between worlds. So the Celtics or the Celts believed that during Samhain, the boundary between the living and the dead was at its thinnest, allowing the spirits of the deceased to revisit the world of the living. This belief led to various rituals and customs. So this, this is the genesis, this is the start of this tradition that we would now call Halloween. Again, I'm not going to give my thoughts. I'm going to just share the clear facts, scripture, and then some thoughts. So observance of Samhain, this is 2000 BC as well. Rituals, uh, Samhain involved practical activities like stocking up for the winter by preserving food, slaughtering excess livestock for meat, and lighting bonfires. Thinvale. So the Celts believed that not only departed loved ones, but also other spirits like elves, fairies, dark energies could visit during this period. Bonfires were lit to ward off evil spirits. Okay, so Christianization is what it's called. So 800 CE, the Christian influence kind of came in. So the Christian church in Europe sought to replace pagan festivals with Christian ones, say when was no exception the church aimed to transform it into a Christian holiday. So we, as Christians, took this, this festival that they would call to activate the, the evil spirits or the dead spirits or whatever. We called it All Hallows Eve. So say when evolved into All Hallows Eve with November 1st being All Saints Day and November 2nd becoming All Souls Day. So this was really just as much as we would call Christmas Eve, like this big celebration, it's literally just the day before Christmas. Similar to this, Christians took this as an opportunity to use it just as the day before All Saints Day. So merging of traditions, we see 800 to 1600 CE. So this is where the Pope's influence, Pope uh, Gregory III moved All Saints Day to November 1st, possibly to align with the existing Sewin celebrations, thus creating All Hallows Eve. So while Sewin's bonfires remained, they took on a Christian character, becoming just fires and part of the religious observation. So this was, maybe they just took it and made it more practical and simple, but again, they moved the date because the Pope was kind of running the show at that time. So we see 1500s to 1600s, so this is now we're past the the person of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. And this kind of phase was called trick-or-treating and souling. So the souling tradition, the practice of souling involved preparing uh, for people going door-to-door, offering prayers for the souls of the departed in exchange for soul cakes. So the development of this after the Protestant Reformation, this practice evolved into Protestants offering to pray for the living rather than the deceased in purgatory. I don't believe in purgatory, but this is, again, this is just some timeline things here. As you can see, the, the Reformation definitely had a place in this. So 1600s, we had um, the Guy Day influenced the gunpowder plot in 1605 when Guy Fawkes attempted to blow up the English parliament, led to the association of November 5th with anti-Catholic sentiments. So bonfires were lit on this day often representing the Pope, were burned. There was, there was things that a part of the Catholic tradition that the bonfires, they were burning those kind of 
and rebellion towards the Pope, and it began a time for anti-Catholic demonstrations. We see Halloween in North America in the 1800s, so the Irish immigration, the influx of Irish immigration, immigrants in the 19th century brought Halloween traditions to North America. So we see that through the UK and Ireland and even the Scottish, they came over, brought the traditions over in the 1800s, while some elements were retained, such as lighting lanterns made from pumpkins, new traditions like costumes and practice of going door to door for treats emerged. So the really the start of the Halloween that you and I always knew of started in about 1800. So moving into the modern Halloween, so this is 1950s to present, uh, the, the mid 20th century saw the modern form of Halloween taking shape with a focus of costumes, trick-or-treating, and community celebrations. So the secular side of this, Halloween was becoming largely secular, focusing on community and family activities rather than the religious observance. So the central theme of transformation, this is stepping into through history anyways. We see masks and costumes have always been a prominent feature of Halloween, symbolizing transformation and the blurring of boundaries between reality and the supernatural. Hope, hope over fear, Halloween's core theme of hope over fear is reflected in the tradition of confronting and embracing one's fears through costumes and celebration, continued observations, so observances anyways, so neo-pagans and Wiccans. Some contemporary groups, particularly neo-pagans and Wiccans, continue to observe Halloween closely to its ancient roots, emphasizing its transformative and spiritual aspects. So this is where the witches, the Wiccans, pagan traditions go back into that beginning phase of Halloween or, or Samhain, as what they would call it. So you can see kind of the timeline of Halloween and where people are picking up on certain traits and not. So this expanded timeline provides more Detailed overview, again, of the Halloween history from its Celtic origins all the way to now, people dressing up as Power Rangers and getting Skittles. So the evolution of Halloween decorations, this is kind of more outside of the individual, more of the things that you and I would recognize with Halloween. Like, where does this come from as well? Is it, well if we can get to the source of where it came from, we can understand it a little bit more. So in the 19th century... This is like the Gothic lit literature, the darkness, kind of all that stuff. The, the popularity of Gothic literature in the 19th century featuring themes of supernatural contributed to the development of Halloween decor. So all of the dark kind of theme you, you would recognize on October 31st kind of stemmed from the 19th century. Again, that was just more of the general way people lived in that time. So jack-o'-lanterns, this use of carved pumpkins with candle Lights creating jack-o'-lanterns became a prominent part of Halloween decor. This tradition oriented from Irish folklore from Stinky Jack and evolved from using turnips to pumpkins for carving. So candy and trick-or-treating, where did this come from? Where children, they'd go door-to-door, -to -door, obviously becoming widespread in the early, mid-20th century. So the candy industry embraced Halloween as a, ma a major holiday, leading to the tradition of giving out sweets. Similar to Christmas department stores and people who created products used this as an opportunity to sell their products to make money which isn't bad that's that's society that's capitalism that's kind of what we do we we see opportunities we see events or areas and we go and i just went to london a couple weeks ago and we go to the buckingham palace and there's a bunch of products and stuff based on the king and queen 
they obviously have nothing to do with it. But again, it's kind of building up their community. So Halloween and pop culture, movies and television, obviously. Halloween-themed movies and TV shows like Halloween, Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown have contributed to the cultural significance haunted houses. The concept of haunted houses as attraction for Halloween entertainment also gained popularity in the 20th century. So as you can see, there, there, there's a major, a, ma a huge tradition when it comes to Halloween. And again, as you can see, over the 4,000 years it's kind of been around, you would, you'd be able to see that a lot of people have a different beliefs on it. Some people attach it back to the Sewin system where it was really based on like witchcraft and dark arts and that type of stuff. And then you have people who think of it as when the, the Irish kind of moved to uh, North America and were able to just celebrate all of the traditions that were attached to that. So again, some different observations that I've seen either online or having conversations. I've been a follower of Jesus for almost 10 years now. And there, there's people who have, uh, again, rich, diverse opinions about this, just like almost anything. And to preface, the word Halloween, the concept uh, of the history of Halloween is not in Scripture. You're not going to find Jesus talking about trick-or-treating. You're not going to find Moses talking about jack-o'-lanterns. It's just not in Scripture. But that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to look at it in ask ourselves, is this something that we should be practicing as an individual follower of Jesus? But some simple responses, you have people who completely celebrate. So some Christians fully embrace Halloween as a fun and community building holiday, seeing no conflict between it, uh, the holiday and their faith. They're saying, I don't feel conviction on this. This is something that I don't believe is wrong. Then you have uh, faith-centered people who really use Halloween as an opportunity to have events, activities, our church is doing kind of a fall festival on Sunday where they're going to be able to get candy and there's going to be bouncy houses and there's going to be people who, again, most 99, I didn't, I didn't even know the history of Halloween before I did this video because I was so intrigued and wanted to give you uh, truth. But most people just would go, that's, that's normal. I just, I'm going to go to my church. I'm going to do some events. I'm going to do fall festivals. Kind of, kind of removing the darkness from it, as you saw in the history of the church kind of seeing this as a dark thing and going, why don't we just turn it into more of a fall thing, more of a transition from summer to fall. And then you have non-celebrating Christians. These are the people who don't celebrate it at all, do not practice it. We had people in our school growing up. I didn't grow up as a, tra like a traditional follower of Jesus. I just went to church once in a while. If you asked me growing up, I would have said I was a Christian, but I didn't, I had no context of what that meant. But there was people who wouldn't come to school that day when we would all dress up and kind of prefacing me, I didn't practice Halloween, but it wasn't to do with my beliefs. I just didn't like it. I didn't like dressing up. I didn't like going door to door and knocking and saying trick or treat to get candy. I just didn't want to do it. I'd rather sit on my doorstep and hand out candy and not dress up. Uh, I've always kind of been an introvert, so it, uh, it kind of makes sense to me now. But all that to say, you have the three kind of buckets that I've seen anyways of people who are absolutely for it. You have people who are using it as a tool to reach their city or neighborhood or their neighbors. And then you have people who are completely against it. Lights are shut off that night. We're not going to talk to anybody. I'm not giving opinions on any of those three. Again, these are just observations. All right, so let's jump into the big, the big idea here, the big topic that you've seen very polarizing YouTube videos on or podcasts, 
Is celebrating Halloween a sin? Is celebrating, again, the general festival or holiday a sin? The moral aspect, sin and Halloween. Okay, so again, like I said, the Bible has zero direct references to Halloween, but that does not mean that the essence of parts of Halloween are not within Scripture. Very much so. I use this example often, but the word revival is not in the Bible. The word revival, the, the, the 2023 North American concept of revival, and even internationally, that word is not in the Bible. Revive is in the Bible, and it's based on an individual or maybe at best a couple people within a home giving their life to Jesus. But 100,000 people giving their life to Jesus you you don't see Paul in New Testament going, yeah, and we had revival, but people were revived. So all that to say the essence of revival is very much so throughout Scripture. Very Just as the, anything, any keywords or hot button words that we would say in 2023, obviously because the Bible was written 2,000 plus years ago, even 4,000 years ago to some. With that being said, the word Halloween is not in Scripture. But the essence of some of the pieces, good and bad, of a holiday are very much in it. So I wanted to read some scriptures before I give my thoughts and opinions. Because as Christians, because this video is very much for the person who follows Jesus, a good percentage of America. And I know that our podcast and YouTube channel reaches about 55 different countries. So you might be watching this and going... One, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what Halloween is or the other side of it. You go, oh, our country is very against this. Again, I understand that we're reaching much bigger of an audience than the United States of America, but I do live in America, so it kind of makes sense for me to talk about it in that vantage point because that's my experience. So I'm going to read some scriptures, then I'm going to share some opinions. So before I we get to have opinions. There's God's truth. God's truth remains. It's God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow, which that means us. Like the scripture is supposed to read us. The scripture is supposed to help us understand how to be more like Jesus. Again, it's super important to read scripture in context as very much so many people do not. But jumping in, Ephesians 5, 7 through 15, therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the light, for the fruit of the light consists in a goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what is disobedient, do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ is shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise. So this is talking about living in darkness and light. We as Christians are called to be the light of the world. And it, in Ephesians, it's contrasting darkness and light and living in the light of Christ. Acts chapter 8, 9 through 24, a magician is converted to converted to Christianity. So this is about Simon the sorcerer. There's a lot of people named Simon in the New Testament because they didn't have a lot of names. We understand that. It's 2023. Everybody's got a, a unique cool name. They did not. So this is about Simon the sorcerer. 
this is kind of a longer scripture, but again, I just want to read some scriptures for you. It's my responsibility as a leader in the church, as somebody who has been a pastor and pastored people. Scripture is what defines how we live. So Simon Sorcerer, now from some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called to the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere and astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God and they sent Peter and John to Samaria. They arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord, the hope that he may forgive you for such a thought in your heart. So we see Simon the sorcery. Uh, he's, he's practicing magic and stuff that we, it's very apparent scriptures against, and we're going to read a scripture in a moment. What, what happens though, is he sees the gift and the miracles of Jesus and followers of Jesus, gives his life to Jesus as a new believer. And many of you are new believers. And he, and he tries to buy his way into gifting. You can't do that in scripture. Obviously it's just, it's just not how God works. Simon and John press him a little bit, and they learn. And again, the passage highlights the story of Simon the magician, his misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit's power, demonstrating how Christians like you and I should approach supernatural beliefs and practices. So he gave his life to Jesus. He was a magician. No, he's not. Acts 19, 18 through 20, but those who practice magic arts believe. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the fire. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the, Lord of, the word of the Lord continued increasing and prevailing mightily. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I have also seen Rome. So there's many people who got saved there grabbing all of their magic art books in 2023, the tarot cards, the, the things that we're very much so told not to practice. They burn them. It's obviously they spent money on it, and we're, we're seeing people being transformed from Christians. Okay, going Old Testament here. These are practices absolutely forget, forbidden by God. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who in interprets omens or the sorcerer. So he's saying no witchcraft, no divination, no sorcery, which we saw Simon give his life to Jesus. He was somebody who practiced that, and one who calls upon the dead. So these are very, practice, very much practices that we saw in Samuel at the beginning. These are some of the practices that God is very apparently against. So this includes witchcraft, sorcery, 
um, anything that are attached to, again, witchcraft, God is very against and prohibited by based on God's scriptures. The last one I want to read, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, doing everything we do has to be for the glory of God. Okay, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So this is, this is as basic as you get. And this is where I'm going to give my thoughts and opinions anyways, is what you're doing glorifying God. And it's saying what, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, and I would submit to you, whatever you're doing needs to be glorifying God as a Christian. So that might include Halloween. That might include what you're eating. That might include what you're watching on July 6th. It doesn't matter. All of these things, we can't just take one symbol or one big idea and apply it to one thing that's clearly not in Scripture. As Christians, we are responsible to not partake in certain parts of Halloween. And I would say, I would submit to you, why don't we, instead of running from things and hiding from things and causing polarization in, within the body of Christ, by the way, this isn't even just outside, because we can't judge people who don't believe in Jesus on the same scale as us. We should expect them to do things that we're against. We should expect them to be rebellious and practice things that we are very apparently seeing. It's not good. It's not good for them to practice that, but they don't know. They don't know the person of Jesus yet. Therefore, we can't assume that they're practicing the way that we would do it. So what I would submit to you is why don't we use October 31st, the one night, the three hours people get to go trick-or-treating as an opportunity to, to meet and love on your neighbor. That's just what I want to submit to you. That's what I would do if I was you, and that's what my wife and I are going to do. We're going to have candy. We are going to be available. We're going to be like, hey, what's your name? Man, it's so great to meet you. Would love, would love to connect or whatever. Again, find, find the people that you connect with and use it as an opportunity. We are responsible as the light to the world to actually invade darkness. I don't know why we're so defensive in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, when we should be offensive. Not offensive. We should be offensive. We're on the offense. We should be actually taking territory. We should be taking ground, moving forward the kingdom of God through generosity, through kindness, through joy, through laughter, through, as simple as it sounds, candy as a compliment or costume so cool, buddy. It'll, you look so awesome. And to see a parent see you complimenting their kid. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying you should practice parts of Halloween. The, the, the early traditions we could apply based on the scriptures I read, God is very against those practices. But he's not against you serving and loving and smiling with your neighbor. With that being said, you also have 364 days out of the year that you can also do this. We don't, we should not, I think we should use them as opportunities. We should use it as really a catalyst to what we should be every single day. We should be generous every day. We should be kind every day. We should be joyful every day. People in our neighborhood should go, man, I, I want to be around him. He's so nice and so refreshing and so generous. Why? We should go over there sometime. We should invite them over for dinner. What they're not going to do is see somebody judge, judging them based on our line of, of following Jesus, which they're not on. They're not at the bar that we are at. And we're judging them and they're going to go, man, I'm gonna, we're going to avoid them. We don't want to go over there. We don't want to talk to them. We don't want to 
partake in whatever they're doing. We don't want to go to their church because they're rude, they're judgmental, they're they're making fun of us, they're you insert whatever. Again, we cannot allow people's past experiences with the church determine us not being nice and generous and actually the 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 followers of Jesus we are responsible of being. We cannot you and again I'm I'm graceful and I'm I'm understanding and empathetic for people who have been hurt by the church, hurt by Christians who make these very polarizing videos online where it says you practice Halloween, you're a witch. It's like relax, dude. Like I I'm just I don't know. Maybe you just give your life to Jesus and you're going, "Oh, geez, I'm not supposed to do that." Okay, sounds good. Uh, I won't practice this part of Halloween, but I will hand out candy and smile and compliment my neighbor and get their phone number and maybe invite them to church and they get saved. Okay. Let's be the front door of people's opportunity to experience the person of Jesus through our kindness, through our gentleness, through our listening more than talking. Again, this podcast, this YouTube channel, all this is framed around conversations. Why don't we have more conversations with people who don't believe in Jesus, who have opinions about Halloween? And not to throw our absolute truth based on our scriptures at them, but listen to them, listen to their story, listen to why they're passionate about a, a holiday. Because we we have plenty of holidays that nobody cares about. In America, you the ones people care about is Christmas, Easter, Halloween, and Fourth of July. And that's basically our our holidays that people care about. But there's so many other ones that nobody practices, nobody participates in. So why don't we just use it as an opportunity? With that being said, I, again, I don't want condemnation. I don't want you to feel condemned for practicing certain things. I want you to feel conviction on things that you should feel convicted on by the Holy Spirit, not just by Josh Andrew. Uh, and I wanted to make this video for you. I wanted to make it for the listener who goes, man, I don't want, I don't know what the history of Halloween is. I don't maybe know different opinions on it because I've, st I've been in the same church my whole life or... Uh, I don't know what the Bible says about Halloween. Again, thank you so much for listening to this. I hope that it, it was a resource to you and it helped you understand a little bit more. Maybe you're one step closer to understanding a holiday. And really, it's something that we should take serious because there are parts of it, again, that uh, God clearly says to stay away from. And there's also gray areas. It's not a black and white uh, concept. It's not a black and white topic. I did wear my Halloween hat just for you listening to this. Because, again, I don't think we should take ourselves so serious in moments. Again, God is not going to kick you out of his heavenly kingdom for handing out candy. What, with that being said, as a follower of Jesus, we are responsible for listening and applying the word of God. And I hope that you would do that. Do your own research. I'm going to put all the resources, all the scriptures that I read in the show notes of this so you can do your own research you can do your own praying listening ask your pastor about it talk to your pastor about it thank you so much we'll see you next week